Peter's coming in the door, coming in the door with a little baby that is gonna be quiet and sleeping because he falls asleep at the door. This will be the intro to the show. This will be the intro to the show. Intro, intro to the show. I'm a big fan of Dom's ooh ooh in there. (laughs) Really committing to the nonsense. Thing about street fights? The street always wins. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Style Guide with your host Dave Morris and Stephen Orr for a very special episode with... Nope, I'm going to start that over because I don't know how that worked. <laughs> that was perfect. Okay, but but I don't know what to say after with. like With a, with a special guest, that would have been fine. Okay, you fine. Were on, you were on fire, man. I got this, I got this. I'll just do that to help keep time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Style Guide with your host Dave Morris and Stephen Orr for a very special episode with a very special guest. Everyone say hello to Dom. I... Wait, we don't have an audience, so I guess no one can say <laughs> no, hello to Dom. That was, that was bad. You want me to do it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dom, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, man? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And Dave, how are you? I'm great, Steve. It's nice to nice to talk to you and have Dom here with us. This is kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Nice to nice to have a guest on the show for um, our weirdest episode. I don't think this is our weirdest episode. I think this is our. I think it's actually the most logical episode we've done mm-hmm. in a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right, Dom. This is pretty logical. I feel like. Yeah, we are in this episode. We are combating two of the greatest movies of our generations uh, to see which one wins the Style Guide Oscar. Mm-hmm. What I like is that our generation, so you've got you and I, and then Dom, who is of a yeah. separate generation. Yeah, but I said generations. I pluralized. That's oh, you I'm like saying. that I... Oh, okay. You count as a millennial. Yeah, it's weird. I don't understand <laughs> the millennial. Yeah, I can't, I, I, uh, I'm the cusp. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. a millennial as well. We're all millennials. No, I'm a cusp. I'm a cusp, baby. I don't understand what that means, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, but, but with the, the, the movies we are uh, 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 comparing and contrasting and uh, battling today are, of course, uh, one of the greatest films ever made and Citizen Kane. Furious 7 with uh, Vin Diesel and uh, the seventh in an amazing series of car movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Citizen Kane, uh, Orson Welles' masterpiece that he directed, produced, and starred in at the age of 25. I think he also... 25 funded it too did i did i not say produced you said produced huh that's what produced means dumb (laughs) your generation so dom Dom, are you how old are you i'm 22 you're 22 years old so Mm -hmm. in three years you've still got time to produce a work as as much of a masterpiece as citizen kane that's 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 too far gone for dave and i way uh, way too far gone for me and you just missed it steven that's true, just barely. So, so let's go through it. Uh, did everyone watch the movies? Yeah, Steve. I I watched both of them. Me too. Okay, good, good. So so far we're winning. First and step, great. Who had seen them before? Let's weigh so, in. So I had seen Citizen Kane for a film class in high school. Except watching it, I am sure I didn't pay attention in film class in high school because lots of this movie, I'm like, whoa, this is completely new to me. So 
this this I consider my first introduction. I'm in the exact same boat for Citizen Kane. I watched it in a film class in high school. I don't think we watched the whole thing. I think my teacher just showed us specific scenes for like the camera shots. <laughs> so the story I know from pop culture, not from seeing the movie. Right. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And Dom, for you, Citizen Kane, first time, last time? Um, this was my second time seeing it. I watched it last summer because I wanted to watch Citizen Kane. Wow. Ah, so it's a rewatch for you. Yeah. I guess it's a rewatch technically for all of us, mm-hmm. but mostly mm-hmm. for Dom because Steve and I didn't watch it the first time. Yeah. And then Furious 7, this is my first time seeing the film. Really? I had not yet seen it. Yeah. I am not surprised. <laughs> Uh, Furious 7, I had seen it before. I saw it in theaters, actually. And it was the first Fast and Furious movie I ever saw. (laughs) We went and saw Furious 7, having no idea what any (laughs) of the context was for the movies. I hadn't even seen the first one, uh, which I believe came out when I was in high school. That sounds about right. Or when I just graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. So I've known about the movies, but I'd never seen one until Furious 7. And then I watched Furious 6, and then I watched Furious 5. And then I watched Furious 7 again, like, this week. And it's my favorite Fast and Furious movie so far. So you still haven't seen 1 to 4? <laughs> haven't seen 1 to 4 yet, oh. but I'm working my way there. I'm working my way there. It's fun to figure out why she has amnesia, <laughs> you know? like, <laughs> like You're discovering you... along with her. Yeah, because in the sixth movie, she's not even in it. And then the fifth movie, it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is where she came. Oh, I get it. I've seen... I, I have not seen Furious 7 before. I have seen Tokyo Drift twice. Oh, if you're not out of control, you ain't in control. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I've seen like, I've seen snippets of every, every Fast and the Furious movie because my dad loves them. So I would usually just walk in, watch three minutes and go, "Mm, this is, this is not for me. And then walk out of the room. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what was your experience like watching the movies, guys? I I clapped. I clapped at the end there. So what was your experience watching the movies, guys? Ah, you see, you see. <laughs> we'll we'll start with Dom. Yeah, let's start with Dom. Here, I guess. Go Both ahead. movies, should we? Um, let's let's pick one. Which one do we want to start with? Let's start with Citizen Kane. What was your experience start, like watching start. Citizen Kane again? It is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing some undertones there that that may give away more truth than you meant a, in that sentence. <laughs> it's a really hard movie to just outright sit and watch, which is. I think I think it had pretty good pacing for the time, but both times that I've seen it, I'm always kind of taken aback by the newsreel at the beginning where I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is cool how they're doing this. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get it. This is the story. Uh, I'm okay. I'll turn it on. <laughs> um, cool. Steve-o? Uh, for me, uh, I started watching the opening of the film and I'm just I was tired, like not not sleepy tired, but I just watching it. I was exhausted with the kind of pace of the news of the week style mm-hmm. and or sorry, news on the and, march style. Was that, that guy was yelling. He was yelling at us so much. He, Calm he, down. He was shouting the news at me about this guy. And I'm like, I don't I don't know this guy yet. I'm yeah, I mean, I have some variation in your voice, guy. You're just shouting like this what happened the landlord of xanadu (laughs) yeah so so loud and obnoxious and because it had been so long since i had seen the film i'm like is the entire film like this like is it just two hours of this pace because i'm gonna need mm. a break yeah pretty much is pretty much is (laughs) (laughs) less shouty less shouty shouty. so um yeah that 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 opening is 
uh, is is a tricky thing to get through. But but overall, I found the film uh, to be a really interesting fictional biography of a of a person, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pacing of it seemed to work, and it didn't it didn't feel like a two hour movie as opposed to Fast Seven with Furious 7. Oh, I got that wrong. That's going to hurt me forever. It's called it's called Fast and Furious 7. It's not called Furious 7. Just Are you sure? Positive. Cuz I just wrote Furious 7. No, look, the actual title is Fast and Furious 7, but it gets called Furious 7. It's okay, it's not your fault. The Fast and Furious movies have the worst naming scheme. Cuz <laughs> they're like Fast and Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, Tokyo Drift, uh Faster and Furiouser. I don't know what they're but they they don't have any like consistent naming thing. Fast so, five. Fast five. Fast right? five. It's, not, it's not your fault, Steve. It's not, it, hey, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not this movie. <laughs> Thanks, Robin Williams. Thanks, Robin Williams. Yeah, so that, that's that's kind of how I came into the mm. film and, yeah. and felt mm. watching it. Dave? Uh, yeah, I... Uh, so, I to me, it felt like watching the first half of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like, before the HAL part, uh, where I'm kind of not really interested. I don't really care. But I can appreciate the wonderful cinematography that they're doing and how when this movie came out, I'm sure this like broke lots of ground and was amazing. So I felt it was not really that exciting. But the story I was super, super into. I thought it was great. And, I, and, and it was funny because it was like that story was from 1940 whenever this movie came out. 45? 41. 41. Uh, so it's like super old and yet still totally applies to today and the thought that went through my head was like oh this is the story of how donald trump should have ended up <laughs> he should have failed getting into politics not too and then gotten super depressed in this like palace and all he wanted was his slit like like <laughs> that's what should have happened to donald trump instead he actually won, he actually won. <laughs> that, that's 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 what was going through my head as i was watching this yeah, donald trump is the happy ending to citizen kane which uh <laughs> You're welcome, America. Yeah, you the, the alternate ending. The alternate. Although I, d- I gotta say, I was very impressed with the makeup. Really? Yeah, Orson Welles at 25 uh, really looks. He spans the age gap pretty well. Well, like uh, they made they did makeup for all the characters, and only one of them was like super obviously fake old man makeup. Uh, and the rest, I was actually, I was actually pretty impressed. I was like, hey, this, this, like, this is like some Back to the Future two kind mm. of stuff going on, like pretty good aging maybe it's the fact that the black and white and film quality covers the yeah yeah the like lines you can't see that he's a, a paler color yeah you can't you can't see the, the 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 details of it so maybe that helped cover it up but i was actually that was pretty impressed i can see why back when this came out people would have been blown away at this as a masterpiece yeah it worked it, it worked pretty well in that regard and there there weren't any moments where I'm, i was taken out of the film well no it was watching the the kind of best friend character as an old man i'm like you, I'm not a big fan of your makeup or your acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Do you have a cigar? <laughs> you got a cigar? Stick <laughs> it in a toothpaste box. Shit, you got a, do you got a cigar? <laughs> like, such a like, <laughs> cheesy actor playing an old man. Yeah, but, uh, but, but overall, the film worked for me in that same sort of way. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, Furious 7? Fast and Furious 7. I think we should do general impressions of both movies, and then and then we'll okay. delve delve into the deep depth of them. And I will start with Fast and the Furious Seven, if you like. Okay, because do it. This to me is one of the most fun movies <laughs> I ever get to watch. <laughs> oh, oh, it only works. And this is when I first watched it in theaters. Uh, I was with our good friend Owen Chan from the Kinkanauts. Oh, and he said you just have to like accept 
the reality of the movie. <laughs> and it's it's amazing. And so I did, and that made the movie super amazing. I just accepted that we live in a superhero type world where mm-hmm. everyone has cars, right? You land in a new country and all of a sudden you have your car and your color and you drive it. Uh, you accept that every time you show up in a new location, there's some sort of like music video where there's lots of butts <laughs> shaking in front of the camera. You just have to accept this weird reality that they live in uh, where you can jump out of cars and into other cars, which they established like eight movies ago. And, like you know, all this, this sort of like the reality that they've built and the rules that they've made. And once you accept that, it's just a super fun movie to watch. And you can just turn your brain off and just enjoy cars and fighting and mm-hmm. Vin Diesel saying incredible lines. I think, Steve-O, you can read your text messages that I've been sending you for the last 24 hours. And you'll see some of the amazing lines in that movie. <laughs> that's my that's my Fast and Furious 7 initial impression. Dom? I very audibly complained while watching this movie to myself. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is not to say that I didn't enjoy it because I turned off my brain, I suppose. Well, I, I, my brain was on, but... Every every few minutes, I would go, oh, come on. Oh, God. Oh, shut up. Because Vin Diesel speaks only in one-liners. <laughs> like, he yeah. doesn't he doesn't string more than two sentences together. Yeah, and he, he never breaks more than nine words. Mm-hmm. But I really, I really enjoyed it. Like, I felt a war in my brain between the part of me that likes film and the part of me that likes movies. <laughs> That's a, that's a good good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I I really enjoyed, but yeah, I really enjoyed the cinematography because it felt like it felt like Michael Bay and Edgar Wright had like this like love child mm-hmm. of like in, intense zoom ins, but also doing the like swing around and yeah, and then like butts 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 <laughs> more butts butts. <laughs> Steve-O? Yeah, I, I, Dom Dom is totally right. This is a gorgeous movie to look at, uh, and I'm not talking about the butts. It is cinematography. This this the cinematography of this film is is wonderful. It, so fun. Um, it it really it it works visually. As a story, uh, there's not a lot there. I will agree <laughs> with. And I think I hated everyone except Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. You didn't like Vin Diesel? Uh, mm, hey, man. No. Family. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, 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 it had been a while since I had seen a Fast and Furious film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had forgotten just how kind of batshit weird they are. And, and this, uh, my understanding is they, they have continually upped that film after film yeah. where they get crazier and crazier mm-hmm. they have to they have to really yeah like the the first one is is kind of like point break but with race car driving instead of whoa surfing. whoa spoiler alert i haven't seen it <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, the, I, think you, of the film. I think you know where it's going <laughs> So it's, it's, it's more of a kind of a, a cop an undercover cop film is my memory of it and if you had told me that by the seventh film they would be jumping from building to building in Ugh. a car in Dubai, mm-hmm. I would have called you a crazy person. Really? Um, by the seventh movie, you couldn't have thought that that would be a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> I could have. I could have seen it coming. Because <laughs> how? what else can you do with cars? They fell out of airplanes with parachutes then. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they've, they've done it all now. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the next one. I'm excited for the next one. 
the fastest, the, fastest, the and furiousest fate of the furious. Oh, fate of the furious. <laughs> and and Dave, I have confirmed this. The movie is titled Furious Seven. Mm-hmm. No, it's not because there's seven in, of them and they're furious. They're lined up. I'm there's lo- seven on the cover. Look I'm at, looking at it right now. Furious Seven, often stylized as Furious Seven, or alternatively known as Fast Seven and Fast and Furious Seven. Mm-hmm. But the title of the film, Furious Seven. Uh, all right, but when I go to, uh, okay, hold on. So when I go to iTunes to purchase the movie, mm-hmm. um, oh, it's not available in my store. But it says Fast and Furious Seven on iTunes, <laughs> or you can get Furious Seven the extended edition. Well, I think it's called uh, Furious Seven because that's the only title that makes sense after after all their other titles. But anyway, like Dom, uh, I, I watched this movie and felt conflicted because I hated it and then I loved it and and these two parts of my brain were warring with each other. <laughs> Much like uh, Brian's you know personal struggle with his family, but also his race family and, and, and wanting to reconcile those two parts of himself. You know? All right, IMDB calls it Furious Seven. But it Boom! spells out the word seven. Dave, you can't outrun the past. Which is not, but that's not what anyone else does. I don't believe any of this anymore. I don't, I don't think this movie has a name. It's I'm, the unnamed movie. They must be different movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I think that's a good first impression. So how do we want to do this? we want to go back and forth movie to movie? Or do we want to do it all both at the same time? Or do we want to do like, like, uh, like Citizen Kane, then Fury 7? What do you want to do? I don't think that there's any way that we can, like, divide these two movies. Well, we're going to use the same criteria for both, right? Let's go back and forth. (laughs) Like, I think think we can flow naturally between the two films as we talk about it, and we'll find a way to, uh, to go back and forth between them, rather than, you know forcing our audience to sit in anticipation to see yeah. how we feel about Citizen Kane. Yeah. Well, so the the one the one thing so with my texting to you over the last 24 hours of quotes from Furious 7, the one thing I will say is that the dialogue in Furious 7 is way more quotable than anything in Citizen Kane. The only thing I can quote in Citizen Kane is Rosebud. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think there was actually one other line that he said about how um, something about a man is the only... No, see, I can't even remember what it was because it was too too high concept. Do you remember the line I'm trying to think of? Um, are you talking about the line where he's talking about the, the dual characters of Charles Foster Kane? Where he's I... like, the trouble is you don't realize you're talking to two people as Charles Foster Kane who has shares of public transit... Prefer- no? Not no, that not that one. You're reading that off of something, though. Did you write that? Yeah, down? no, I, I did. I don't have it memorized. <laughs> but there was a, there's a line that Charles Foster Kane himself says, where he says something about how like a measure of a man or you can't judge a man or a man is only what he's something. But now I'm mixing it up with lines from Furious Seven. So, so they, these movies are essentially the same film to me. Citizen <laughs> Kane is it's like visually quotable though. Because a lot of the cinematography stands out. Like, there are very iconic moments visually, but you can't remember a damn thing they've said. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I think Fury 7 is also visually quotable. <laughs> like, seeing the car jumping between those three buildings. <laughs> I can see that in my brain still. Yeah. 
I think I think the difference is watching Citizen Kane. I can see what kind of things that if I were to be a cinematographer for another film that I would pick up on for my own for my own work. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would ever try and I, I don't think I would ever use Furious Seven as kind of a reference for me to to build a film upon. I totally I totally agree. And I think Furious Seven was actually referencing Citizen Kane a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think I think the 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 action uh, movie genre, it doesn't it, it doesn't often try and and copy another movie in that way. What it does is it just tries to up the crazy, and so you know it's it's never really referencing something else. It's always you know just just let's do the next craziest thing. Yeah, and Fury Seven was referencing itself, like it was referencing mm-hmm. all yeah. the other. Furious movies, fast movies and furious movies. And so it's sort of like built its own language that it uses to tell stories with, which is why you get dancing butts all the time, which is hilarious. Although, I mean, I just want to make this clear because people are at home are starting to roll their eyes at me. Citizen Kane is clearly a better film. <laughs> clearly. And it is much has much bigger impact on cinema. Uh, but Furious 7, when I first saw it, the thing that thought that went through my head was... That was a perfect action movie, and the story made more sense than The Hobbit. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it came out, I think, the same year The Hobbit did. And I was very impressed with the film. I don't think we've decided which is better yet, <laughs> No, no, I'm, not, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It does exactly what you Yeah, ex- Fury 7 gives me exactly what I expected going into that movie. And I have to say, the intro to Furious 7 with Jason Statham in the hospital, mm-hmm. all of that opening sequence is spot on perfect for for the genre yeah it it does absolutely everything that i need as opposed to and look at us just naturally flowing together citizen kane's opening shouty news thing that almost yeah that almost like turned you off of the movie mm-hmm. yeah that's talking at length about xanadu and all this sort of stuff where it's just like i don't i don't care yet you haven't you haven't earned my caring, and and this is this isn't the way to to do that. Whereas Furious Seven earns Jason Statham's character with that opening scene. Oh yeah, that is like maybe in like my top ten opening scenes to a movie. Jason Statham, the Jason Statham yeah. one. I think like I can't think of another opening scene to a movie. Like I can think of a few great like Pulp Fiction has an incredible open scene as well. Mm-hmm. But but like there's a lot of great opening scenes to movies, but that is like one of the best. Just him talking to his brother in a hospital and just the moment where you see the nurses over his shoulder panicking and he tells them to take care of him and then you see all the destruction and carnage. And even like it's all like a one shot and the elevator when it like pans around him. Like it's it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. an amazing shot. Outside like Furious Seven aside, it's just a great shot. I felt really weird about that opening. Why? Well, it was a really good opening, but at the same time, like they're like just setting this this villain up to be like the coolest guy because he's killed people. And now there's a rap song playing for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it 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 did. Uh, we didn't need any more setup for his character. Yeah, and he was set up, I think, in the sixth movie, right? Mm-hmm. Or we see him like getting the news or something, right? I can't remember how it works. But something in the sixth he, movie. Yeah, at the at end. the end of the sixth movie, he kills Han. Oh, he shows up and he kills Han. That's yeah. right. And so it's not it's not even subtle. It's like he kills okay. Han. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We flash back to Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like what like if you hadn't seen any Furious movies, which I hadn't, and you see that immediately, you know this is the bad guy. 
He is mm-hmm. really tough, and he's amazing, and he's awesome, and he drives a fast car. Mm-hmm. Get a fast car. And that's like, what else do you need for a bad guy? You're done. I to get to anywhere. Now we just do the rest of the movie and have him chase them the whole time. <laughs> well, and as, as far as introductions to villains go, I think it's up there with, and I know you're not a big fan of, of the films, but with the way that Sauron gets introduced in Lord of the Rings, in, in that mm-hmm. it doesn't, um, it, it really builds him up without ever seeing the stuff that he does. Yeah, okay, Sauron. I thought you were talking about Sauron for a second. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Sauron's got not a very good introduction at all. You know, he's like, Come on, man, I ain't no amateur. And who comes riding to my castle but Gandalf the Grey? You know, uh, seeking my counsel. That was my Sauron. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It was pretty good. The hour grows late, and Gandalf the Grey rides to Isengard, seeking my counsel. But no, I'm, I'm talking about Sauron. And. And how we're our he he's he's spoken of he we know he's a bad he's a bad guy we don't see him but everyone has reason to be afraid of him very similar in this film we never see what Jason Statham has done in that hospital we only see its its effects and the impossibility of how he would ever do that and yeah. I think that it works as a very effective introduction to him I see what you're saying I still think it's a weird comparison. <laughs> Because Sauron is set up slowly over the course of like a movie, whereas he this is set up in like a minute and thirty seconds. I'm just saying, as far as like giving us a villain, mm-hmm. yeah, this it, it it's very effective, and I can't think of a lot of films that actually build effective villains. That's that's more my point. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think of one right now in my head. Yeah, quick, was... quick, Dom, go villains. Villains? Yeah, good setups for villains. Good setups for villains. Oh, in action movies? I don't any know. Movie, like any anything. Movie. Like comparing it to something like the Marvel movies, like mm-hmm. Deckard, Deckard Shaw. That's Jason Statham, right? Deckard yeah. Shaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deckard Shaw, he's just you feel you feel him around because I think it's part of the way that they handle it where they're he is the end goal, but they're not focusing on him, but he just shows up randomly with grenades mm-hmm. like throughout the movie. He'll they'll be like, Okay, we're in the cars now. When there's Deckard Shaw just driving on up, whereas like in something like in something like the Marvel movies, you almost you almost forget that there's a villain sometimes because they don't really build the villains up. Yeah, and we talked about this too, Steve, that the villain in Marvel movies are always just the opposite of the hero, or like like the exact same thing as the hero but bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like another guy in a big suit, or a, another guy in a shrinking suit, or. I mean, it's a lot of suits in in that film. (laughs) A lot of suits Uh, in those movies. (laughs) Another dude with Hulk powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, what what Marvel movie has an even close villain? Like, I guess the closest would be uh, Magneto to like a good setup for a villain. Mm -hmm. But do they even really? How does he get set up in that first X Men movie? He uh, the movie opens with uh, in Nazi Germany. We Mm -hmm. see the the kid, and then he pulls on the gate, and it. See, that is pretty good. But I think a lot of that is nested in my already love of Magneto and my knowledge of the character. Which I guess is kind of what makes the Marvel movies not so much of a comparison as they're building on a history of these characters, whereas Deckard Shaw just walks in. He just shows up and immediately you know he's the best. He just immediately, yeah, he states... When we were growing up, we were always in fights together. And in the last movie, you were the bad guy. But in this movie, I'm, I'm the, the bigger bad, bad guy. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's exactly what he says. <laughs> Except like with an with an accent. I'm the bigger bad guy. Yeah. I like dogs. Compare it to something in Citizen Kane. So look at Citizen Kane and we know who, who our main character, who we're following. Yeah, the the girl, right? The news reporter. Charles Foster came. Yeah, and and there are antagonists in his story. People people who act as foils to uh, to his character who get in his way and stop him. Kinda. Yeah, I mean, like there there aren't there aren't a ton of them, and they're not they're they're not major, but everybody. Everybody in that film serves to build out the character of Charles Foster Kane, build him up, build him down, different different sorts of things. In Furious Seven, Deckard Shaw exists solely as a as a means of opposing the main characters. Yeah, totally. He is a hundred percent a villain, whereas there's not really a villain in Citizen Kane. Well, he's his, he's the villain. He is his own yeah. villain. The hubris of man. <laughs> Mankind is his own villain. <laughs> uh, and in Fear 7, uh, he is a, a pretty good foil to Vin Diesel because they're both tough. They mm-hmm. both drive fast cars. Bald. They're both bald. They're both yeah, bald. Dom. But they're both doing this for family. Mm-hmm. And so like, they both have that same theme of family, which is a theme I did not expect to encounter in fast and furious movies when i first watched it uh and now that i've watched it i see that that's the theme in all of the movies Mm -hmm. is family i don't have friends i have family well i've got a lot of friends that's from furious 7 by the way goddamn right most quotable movie i've seen ever oh man yeah, so the villain setup in Fury 7 is incredible. And the villain mm-hmm. setup in, like, the closest thing I can think of to a villain in Citizen Kane is uh, Boss uh, Governor, what's his name? The opposing governor, whatever his name is. Yeah, oh, he's the closest. Getty. Getty. Boss Boss Jim Getty or something? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, he's the closest we get to, like, a villain as far as I can think, uh, other than, uh, than Kane himself. Because, like, he directly does things that completely affects his his life and mm-hmm. ruins his career and his marriage and everything. So he's the closest thing to a villain, but really it's just Kane falling apart slowly. Well, and Kane more like the, the villain is the one who exposes Kane, but Kane does it to himself. Like it's, it's not as if uh, the, the villain has faked the affair or like tricked him into getting into an affair or something. Yeah. Um, whereas in the the Furious Seven, in, in Furious Seven, it's never as it's called, if it's called the Furious Seven. You are correct. The sequel to the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a spinoff. <laughs> it, it, it's not as if uh, Dom and the gang are the cause of their own defeat. You know, They're, it'd be a very different movie if they were responsible for everything that Deckard Shaw had done. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, they kind of are, aren't they? Because they killed they killed his brother, or they crippled his brother, and now he's there to get revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's different in that Kane's hubris is constant throughout the film, and as a like, if Kane had done one bad thing, that would be different. But Kane constantly is doing terrible things that that break himself, break his his character apart. Mm-hmm. 
And that's, I think, the, the big difference between the two films. Yeah. <laughs> that's the big difference. There's there's nothing else that's different between Citizen Kane and, and The Furious 7. And, you know, this is something about the movies that I, I wonder. Like, because Furious 7 came out in the midst of action movies and, like, like the, the sequel, like, uh, culture that we live in now. So it's like, it was a movie perfectly for this time. And I wonder about Citizen Kane because it came out uh, in the 41, 1941. And what other movies were coming out then? And how different was it really? Because I can only imagine it is so different. Because I'm thinking, what movies were out in the 40s? It was like, okay, we had detective stories. So we had like film noirs. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, The Maltese it, Falcon is but, 41. Yeah, so like there's that whole detective thing, which this movie kind of borrows the idea of like a investigative reporter. So it's got this little detective-y feel to it, trying to and figure out what Rosebud is. But then... The fact that it's like a character study on one person, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no real like like story arcing, big plot. You know, it's just a bunch of little bits of this man's life, and like like uh, how how crazy was that compared to noir movies and what else musicals that were coming out back then, and like singing in the rain and stuff like that. Like, when did singing in the rain come? Out? <laughs> well, it's it's. I, I'm I'm not totally certain on my film history. I know that Hitchcock was just getting rolling around that time. So it kind of comes out of left field for film. But Orson Welles was a pretty prolific theater director and actor up to that point. And this is yep. right on par with theater. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I this is the same year that Dumbo came out. Yeah, and Hitchcock was just started around then. You're right, Tom. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Um, and Dumbo, yeah, what a what a great film. But it's the it's the kind of moments where film you're 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 definitely right is something that they're exploring what it can do, what you can do with a screen and a camera, and and, and play with it. And I think Citizen Kane, as far as the kind of dramatic storytelling that we see here is completely out of left field. That's totally right. You know, it's funny. Uh, I think Aaron Sorkin was also 25 when he wrote A Few Good Men. Hmm. Whoa, Sorkin is our Orson Welles. <gasps> I mean, That's Sorkin not true at all. That's not true at all. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing, nothing about that. Yeah, so I, I, wish I, uh, I, I wish I knew more about cinema history to, to really understand how groundbreaking it was. Because Fury 7 was definitely, is definitely not a groundbreaking movie. It's a ground exactly what we expect mm-hmm. movie, like, uh, which is which is a wonderful thing. It makes it really fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, it, it's hard to to look at something like Citizen Kane, so many so many years removed from it, and I I I wouldn't have watched this film. I mean, I wouldn't have watched this film if it weren't Citizen Kane. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. not going to just sit down and casually watch this film because it w- without all of the history of it being the greatest film of all time, except possibly Rear Window. Right. Like similar, similar to 2001, again, in that respect, where it's like 2001 is one of the greatest science fiction movies ever, one of the greatest films ever. But it's hard to just sit down and watch casually. Yeah. Like you got to be in a mood and you really have to try like watch it as an analyst. Yeah, I think I think that's the the best way to think about it, and I think that's why. And and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, Dom. But that's why, for me personally, anyway, it was it, it was a film that 
that was so interesting to watch compared to the divided nature of Furious 7. Because I think in some ways, it I was divided while watching Citizen Kane. I'm watching this and I'm going, I mean, I can see parts of why this is great, and yet at the same time, I'm not totally into this because it's a 70-year-old film. Mm -hmm. And it everything that we've done since then has built upon and improved upon the techniques and style and and every part of part of this film we've improved upon in different ways since then and so i want to watch it as this kind of film crit critic who's a little bit pretentious and and knows that it's a great film but at the same time as a watcher i'm like eh, you know it's not everything i agree with everything you said except i would have said very pretentious not just a little bit pretentious I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, I was I was trying to kind of salvage my own internal self worth by only calling myself a little bit pretentious. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dom has a response for you, though. I I I do feel that. Okay. I do feel that while you're watching it, you are divided it or divided on it because. Well, it's it's slow. It's very slow. Much the way that Furious Seven, you know, at the end is fast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> much, the, much the way that during Furious 7, individual moments you go, oh my God, oh my God, there's Dwayne the Rock Johnson driving an ambulance off of a bridge. There is the you know Vin Diesel driving a car between three buildings. You don't, <laughs> you don't really have those moments in Citizen Kane. You don't, I mean, there's like the clapping, which I think is only that engaging to me because it's become part of the cultural lexicon which and clapping by the one like when the, he when they're all clapping and then he starts he clapping and stands going, up yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> but but there aren't individual moments where you feel rewarded but it's only when you get to the end where you're looking back where you're like oh well like i i enjoyed that movie i've learned a lot about myself so i think that it's kind of it's boring because you don't feel rewarded in the moment you feel rewarded for watching the film as a whole I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, because like you do feel good seeing all these scenes and how well they're shot and some of the great moves they do with, with such basic cameras. Like mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have the stuff we have today. Uh, and also, yeah, the story itself. When you get to the end and you look back upon the whole thing, you can connect to it, and everyone connects to it, and we can all see. Like I said, it made made me think of Trump the whole time I was watching it. Uh, so like, yeah, I think at the end it's fantastic, but during it. So, I, I, let me ask you, Dom, because uh, Dave doesn't watch good films. Okay. Um, Whoa. Have you seen? <laughs> I just watched Furious Seven. Of course, <laughs> I watch good films for the eighteenth time, twice a week since it came out. So, Dom, have you seen uh, "There Will Be Blood" or "The Assassination of Jesse James" by the coward Robert Ford? I've seen neither of those movies. <sighs> okay. Neither well. have I. Neither have I. I, I knew that you hadn't, Dave. But I have seen Gangs of New York. Oh. Mm, gang. Are we talking about well, Daniel Day-Lewis movies? That sounds what it's like. That sounds what you're it's, it's not. It's more I'm pointing to kind of the, the, the films today, like something like Zodiac as well, that take up that very slow storytelling style that is there in Citizen Kane. Mm -hmm. It's not... 
it's not super common to see to see films that do it today. We are more like even Gangs of New York, which is an excellent drama, is more actiony than mm. than something like that. Have you seen Synecdoche, New York? I have seen Synecdoche, New York. Beca- Guys, it's called Synecdoche. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, Dom. Because I felt. I felt watching Citizen Kane that those parallels were there. They're both, you know, ultimately both both movies about ultimately the loneliness of a very grandiose figure and how these larger than life people are intimately human in the end. And, you know, they're trying to go bigger and bigger and bigger, but they're still very small. And I just felt I felt like that was very similar to Citizen Kane, like those two movies share share a blood yeah, I, th- I think that that's absolutely right. Kaufman as a storyteller is comfortable taking his time. And you can see it in being John Malkovich adaptation, uh, even Eternal Sunshine. Um, I, I think the the difference that I would point to with him is that he keeps his films interesting by having reality be in question in different ways. And and it's they're, they're films that that string you along with uh, mystery is too strong of a word for it, but maybe with the 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 different the the fantasy element of his films, you just you keep know? watching because you're confused. <laughs> like maybe eventually my confusion will go away, and it doesn't. But at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, but my soul is touched. Are you talking about Furious Seven now? We are, <laughs> we are. But but as opposed to Citizen Kane, which the mystery of Rosebud is there, but it's. It's so casual in in the film. Like, I'm not watching it to find out what the mystery of Rosebud well, is. Well, you already knew what it was, right? Going into it, yeah. I assume we all. I assume we all did. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, it's it's the name of his his first girlfriend, right? His sled. <gasps> what? The simplicity of childhood. <laughs> like the the film. <laughs> the film works whether or not your the the mystery is there um it's the film is just following the the life of this this man as told by different people around him mm. and with different elements of truth and lies in it and it's it, it, you're not watching for the payoff of that mystery you're not even watching for kind of the whole life story you're just watching yeah i don't know i was wondering about that cuz i knew it was rosebud going in and so as soon as they're like, his last word was Rosebud, we got to find out what it means. I was like, okay, they're going to spend the whole time figuring out what Rosebud means. It's his sled. I know this. It's his sled. And so the that lack of, of me wondering, I think, did affect my enjoyment of the film a little. Like, I think this is a movie that actually does have a spoiler in it. You know, like we've talked about spoilers before and how like knowing things about a movie doesn't necessarily spoil it unless it somehow does make it less enjoyable. And I think knowing that Rosebud is the sled makes it a little less enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of wish I watched it before I knew that. Because like like The Sixth Sense when you know he's dead. And actually, maybe that's a bad example. Because The Sixth Sense knowing he's dead, watching it again, it's kind of exciting. Because you see, oh, wow, that's how they made it. And same with like Fight Club. You go like, oh, wow, it does he could be him. Whereas this, it's like... Knowing that it's Rosebud, watching it again doesn't like improve my enjoyment of the film. Knowing that it's Rosebud, you know what I'm saying? How, how about you, Dom? What, what, how would you feel about that? I knew, I knew that Rosebud was the sled going in, 
seconds. So I never I never had that mystery moment either. The first time I watched this was with my dad, who didn't know that. And at the end of the movie, when they revealed that Rosebud is the sled, he was very excited. And I did kind of feel like I was missing out on something. And I think it... I think the first viewing you need Rosebud there as the sort of the propulsion because after that point you can sort of just watch and appreciate it once you know how the film is going to be paced and what once you know what's going to happen but the first viewing it's it's so they're so disinterested in solving that mystery though throughout the movie like even even watching it and trying to look for clues as to what it is you're just like what was Rosebud was it his girlfriend? No, I'm Drat. Keep going, man. And they don't <laughs> Keep like telling us the story of his life. They then, they yeah. don't like they don't really layer it in the way that many movies with spoilers do. You know, going back to Fight Club, you you can watch and be like, oh my god, like look, there's there's Tyler Durden there, there he is. But that's why they have the same briefcase. Yeah. Oh, cool, I get it. But in Citizen Kane, I think they're very aware that Rosebud is just a MacGuffin to get you to watch this story. Mm-hmm. See, I think. I, I think for me, what what I enjoyed about watching the film and knowing that Rosebud was the, the sleigh, it allowed me to ignore altogether that they were solving a mystery, you know? It, it, it allowed me to just kind of sit back and watch this film knowing that every every little story that was being told along the way about this man's life was ultimately unrelated to the story that the reporters are trying to unravel and 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 kind of just watched these these different people and their their explorations of this this tragic figure uh, i mean it's not as if rosebud explains how foster kane became the way that he was mm. yeah no it doesn't like oh he he was he was in his last moment looking at a snow globe and and thought of the sleigh that he you know he had when he he was last a child so to speak before he became the man that he was it like that doesn't change the film in any meaningful way well, is he's it, still a jerk it's it, isn't it the whole concept that uh like he became this incredibly rich and successful person and for by all measures that people measure their life, he was successful. But the cost that he paid was that he had no childhood. He had to give up his childhood and give up his mother mm-hmm. and like lost the joys and innocence of youth or whatever and got all this money and stuff instead and became popular and famous. Like, isn't that the whole point of the how Rosebud is the sled to show like the one thing this guy thought of when he died was the thing that he lost when he was a kid and like that childhood that he wished he could have. See, I guess for me, I didn't, I, I never felt that because every, every bit of Foster Kane's life that we see isn't from his perspective. None of the stories are being told by Foster Kane. They're all being told by the people around him who had their own reasons to, to think ill of him or praise him or be angry at him. And so the Foster Kane that we see is always a character in someone else's story. And so you want him to be a tragic figure because he was so successful and great that he had to. He mm-hmm. had to be a tortured soul. He had to have this deep loss of his childhood because it allows you to humanize this this larger-than-life figure. But we don't, we don't know that. So what you're saying is that Rosebud actually could have been a girlfriend. 
And just nobody knew about it. And it just also happened mm-hmm. to be the name of his slant. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it, it, I mean, if you're going to say the narrators are unreliable, let's go all the way with it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's yes, it's the rosebud is the 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 sleigh, but it doesn't. The fact that that that's his last word doesn't so much tell us about. I, I it, it there's nothing in the film that we can grab at to tell him tell us about that character, because mm. in fact that first story where uh, with the the banking guy mm-hmm. thatcher thatcher thatcher's story is a story we don't know that that sleigh that the kid is playing with at the beginning is the same sleigh at the end of the film that's a fiction created by the banker that makes himself look like a not so bad guy so who, who knows whether that has anything to do with the character and tenor of Foster Kane. So going by what you're saying right now, and that we can't take everything the characters are saying as truth, it's only their version of Kane. The only thing Kane ever actually says is Rosebud. And then the one thing we find out at the end is that Rosebud is the sleigh. So really the only thing we know for sure that mattered in this man's life was his sled, right? Yeah. Okay, good. So the twist ending that <laughs> this man who became super successful and famous, the one thing he thought about at his death was his childhood that is gone, is still true. Even its significance in his childhood, like we don't we don't know anything about Foster Kane is I guess kind of the the mm. takeaway that that this film gives me. It doesn't it's not we don't have a lens into who he was as a person. We have a lens into how he was viewed as a person. And I think that that is a very different sort of film. I think I think that those are two very different stories. Yeah, although I think uh, I think you're reading too much into the fact that it's a mechanic of people telling stories about his life. Like, I think they just use that as a mechanic. Like, otherwise, how do they show flashbacks of him when he's, like, by himself? Yeah. Uh, so like they 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 did use that as a mechanic to get into the story, but then we can safely assume that everything we see is the actual things that happened in his life, because the it's not only what that person saw that they tell us. They tell us we see other things. Yeah, I I don't know. I I guess when I'm <laughs> when I'm watching the film, I I pay really close attention to the fact that there it's an unreliable set of narrators throughout the film, as opposed to when I'm watching Furious Seven. Everything that I'm watching on screen is the truth mm-hmm. of the film, and and at no point is it am, am I ever made to question that. Mm-hmm. And so when I watch Furious Seven, I'm like, yeah, this is this is an action film about uh, with with a message about family. And re rewatching it, I rewatch it for the fun of it. I don't I don't need to think about the characters in the film and their relationship to Foster Kane. And so the version of the stories that they tell, that's not a that's mm. not important to me. So then again, the only truth in Citizen Kane is that he said Rosebud and that he had a sled called Rosebud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In and, and I think the film itself says 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 it really well at kind of midway or towards the end. It didn't end very very well, did it? It ended. Like that's <laughs> that's a line in the film. Yeah. The the point of it isn't very that quotable. Foster Kane very quotable movie, yeah, because that is that is a that is the thing with the street fight is the street always wins. <laughs> See, but but there's a nice pin at the end of Fur- well, no, Furious Seven takes twenty minutes to end the film, but it comes to a conclusive, minutes. satisfying ending. And fa- the the whole point of Citizen Kane is that there aren't satisfying endings to a life; there are just endings. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I would go even further and say that uh, that the ending is the question we are all wondering throughout the entire film. But what is Rosebud? The the final actual what is Rosebud is such a letdown. The first time, like it's such a like it's a sled. That's all it is. It's a sled. It's not a big grandiose thing that everyone thought it was. It wasn't love. It wasn't some failed business venture. It was. A sled that he had as a kid that he just remembered when he died. I think I think that's um, I think that's sort of a function of ex- of expecting some kind of payoff to a mystery, though. Yeah. So the second time, I was I was actually quite taken with the ending and how Rosebud is the sled because they really you know build up Xanadu with all of these things and it's just there's this sled lying in the middle of it and it's the first thing to be burned and his life is just crumbling away and it's like it's this really beautiful moment Mm -hmm. if you're not expecting it to like be everything that you've been watching the film for sure I guess I was I already knew what it was so there was no I had no (laughs) there was no expectation I knew it was a knowledge so so the ending of Furious 7 and and I'm talking more about the coda than I am about the 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 street fight ending where they beat the bad guy. Wait, are you talking about the the drive on the highway? The beach, the entire beach part and then the drive on the highway. Yeah. That whole which made no sense to me when I first saw the movie. I was like, do they always end with this weird sentimental sappy like hugging goodbye you're my brother always thing? And it wasn't until afterwards that Owen Chan said, you know, that actor died. Oh, you didn't know he died? Yeah, I had no idea when I first watched it. He's like, he died during this movie. So they, that's why they, this is like a farewell to him. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense now. But what did you want to say about it, Steve? Did you know that the actor died? Uh, yeah, I, I had known that, that Paul Walker passed away. Um, cool. w- watching it, it felt like such an inelegant finish. You know, it felt... <laughs> It felt so out of tone. It didn't. It didn't even really make as much sense as they wanted it to. Despite the earlier setup, where oh, he's this man who's conflicted between being with his family and and being with his other family. Yeah. To me, yeah. Now that I've know that he's dead, to me, it's just like it is clearly them. Like the movie's over, mm-hmm. and we are just doing a tribute to the actor who passed mm-hmm. away. And like we've segued into it, but like. This was this is not part of the movie. Yeah, if this were if this were to end with without without an homage to Paul Walker, they would be on the beach just hanging out. They wouldn't watch him playing with his kids. We'd get a cut of it, they'd be having fun. They'd probably drive off somewhere and then we would see Deckard Shaw in prison with Hobbes saying, you know, on the other side of this wall is my fist and then and then it would end. That would be the ending. <laughs> And that would be a great ending. It would... It's true. Yeah, it is. It, it was. It was. They did uh, change it a lot because to say goodbye to the actor, which you know I applaud them for. It was nice. Mm-hmm. It was a nice sentiment. It made me question what was added later on, like the like the scene where they're at Han's funeral and Roman and Tej, Taj, Tej, sure, yeah, Tej, mm-hmm. Ludacris. <laughs> Ludacris. Yeah, let's just call him Ludacris, please. Hip hop star Ludacris when they're both standing on either side. His name's Chris. Let's just call him okay. Chris. Of Brian, of Paul Walker, yeah. Brian, and they go, "No more funerals. Don't want to go to any more funerals." I'm like, "Did they have that later on, or was that like already in there?" Was that already in there? I assume it was in there already. Why'd they put that there? 
I think they the added a bunch of... But, I, I mean, I think they just brought in his brother to film a lot of the scenes <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. uh, superimposed it. I don't know how much of the story they could have changed. Well, I don't think the entire plot uh, of him struggling between his his with his wife and kids versus struggling with his his race car family. I don't think that would have been in the film. That's in every film. It is. I think it's in every film. And I yeah. think he it? it had it had to have been in there before because there's so much of it that he's doing. He the always... actor himself is there talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I think Dom is about to tell you that he's he did that in the first one. <laughs> he always misses the bullets. And yeah, it's all—it's always been a question of is he going to be part of the racing family or is he just going to be with Vin Diesel's sister? <laughs> Since did they fall in love in the first movie? Yes. Yeah, there you go. So it's—it's—it's it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. So I think that was—that would have been in there, Steve. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's—it's—it's it's, it's just so. I—I I don't know. It felt so so strange that that heavy-handed. Well, like I didn't even want to call it a, a story thread because. It... Like it doesn't matter to the film whatsoever. His his conflict between them is, but meh. You did get that really awesome joke at the beginning where he's like getting ready to rev up a car and he's driving. And you're like, oh, here it is, and then he just like pulls forward in a minivan. That's pretty funny. Come on, mm-hmm. come on. You got to give him that. That's a visual gag. It was pretty hilarious. I laughed. Yeah. I laughed. I laughed too. Yeah, I laughed lots. Even though the first time I saw it, I had no idea who this guy was. I was like, is he one of the racers? I guess he's one of the racers. <laughs> you know um, what Furious 7 made me feel? What? It made me feel like playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like hmm. you're playing a Dungeons and Dragon, a, a, a night, a campaign in a night. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're all exhausted. And the DM's like, no, guys, we're just going to wrap this up. We're going to finish finish the story. And, and you're going to like you're going to get your loot and you're going to get your your conclusion to this. Yeah. And we're going to take 25 minutes to do it. Damn yeah, it. That's, that's kind of what Furious 7 felt like. To I me. have two things to say. One, you just somehow managed to nerdify Furious 7, like one of the, most, the broiest movies in the world. And two, Vin Diesel would applaud you for that because that guy loves Dungeons oh. and Dragons. Yeah, he would have loved it. I was seeing him being like, "Why do we have to bring in Dungeons and Dragons?" But it's it's apt. It's and then he says like, "Dungeons and Dragons and the Furious movies are about the same thing." Family. Family. <laughs> That's that might have been too many words for him. Uh, for the Fast <laughs> for and your Furious second movies. Thing. Uh, no, those were my two things. Oh, okay. one, I love that you nerded it up, and two, Vin Diesel would have as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, what was I going to say? So Citizen Kane is so full. I, I texted you this. I think with this like Citizen Kane, all subtlety, Furious Seven, no subtlety. I think is what I, or how I phrased it to you. And because when you watch Citizen Kane, it's like a lot of the camera stuff that's really great is pretty subtle and like, like just nice and beautiful, but nothing. It doesn't draw attention to itself too much. Whereas Furious Seven is like, look at us do all this crazy stuff with cameras and like butts, butts, music, music, music video flashing shot. All the best trap music of 2014. Yeah, yeah, 2015. Um, no, those songs came out in 2014. Yeah, Dom, Dom's right on this one. He too. knows music. Okay, so like Citizen Kane is like so <laughs> subtle and beautiful. But when you look at Citizen Kane, it's like most of the scenes are people sitting and or standing and talking. Like, that's all that really mm-hmm. happens in Citizen Kane. With the exception of that strange scene that I feel some executive producer must have forced Orson Welles to do, where they dance around at the party. 
Do you remember the dancing scene and all the girls come out and oh they my, start yeah. dancing yeah, and everyone's yeah, yeah, clapping? Yeah. And it's like this seems like what I would think of a 1940s movie, <laughs> um, like like a, a, a singing in the rain type uh, white Christmas thing where there's like a dance number, mm-hmm. but it felt so out of place in Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. With the exception of that scene, the rest of it is like calling people Mister So and So and talking about stuff. Uh, and standing around and sitting around, and then of course the exception of the opera as well. That was a uh, the, the sort of like opera montage of her singing badly. But yeah, like so, a lot of the what makes it so great was all like the cool, subtle, brilliant things it did. Mm-hmm. Whereas the things that made Furious Seven great had nothing to do with anything they did subtly, because I don't think they did anything subtly. It was just like, hey, we're gonna show you a shot of three buildings that are all really tall and perfectly like like one short like just one what do you call it it's like scaling down. Like a staircase of buildings, oh, yeah. Uh, just so we can drive a car out of this, and they set they set that up with like, <laughs> yeah, without any without any like any subtlety or just like no hesitation, oh, yeah, no no like they didn't even blush. They were like, he's got this really awesome, beautiful car, and he keeps it on the penthouse of the tallest Wh- building. Why does he keep it up there? He's a billionaire. He can do whatever <laughs> he wants. Like they didn't even try. They were just like, we just want to do this. We just want just go with it. Go with us on this. They had a tank bus in this film that just had cannons on the side of it for fun. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't even bother justifying. And they would do things that were like, like, this is what this is what I liked about the movie when I saw it is that they had no, they weren't bashful. They were just straight up like, hey, you've come to see a movie about tough guys driving fast cars with butts. Mm-hmm. And so they'd have that shot of Vin Diesel saying, "I want the demon love child between that." And that, and he's like, "That's not your usual thing." He's like, "Sometimes or this time it's not just about being fast." And you're like, "Ah, oh, it's about being serious." They didn't, they didn't they finish didn't it that, though. There was some subtlety, but there. you could hear it. <laughs> yeah, there was some subtlety. The audience that I was in the theater with, we all went, "It's about being furious." Nice. Uh, no, we didn't. But oh. like, they have those like incredibly like cheesy, over the top lines. But it doesn't feel out of place in the film because the whole film is mm-hmm. cheesy and over the top. So speaking of lack of subtlety. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dom? In Furious 7, the, the, I, I, I don't know whether to call them cameos or guest stars or the, the, the punching bag stars. Oh, yeah, the people sure. who are really good at fighting people in real life. Yeah, like what's her name? What's the actress? Ronda the, Rousey, the who is... Ultimate fighting champion or something? She was, and then she lost, and then she lost again. And No, but she got in the movie first. Yeah, yeah. And might be the worst part of this movie. <laughs> you know what? Really? I think I'll give that to you. I think she actually is the worst part of the movie. When what does she say to her when she's like, uh, "I'm so glad you're here." I was uh, these these parties always make me. Bored. I hate these parties, and then she like, and then they just start fighting. And Ronda Rousey's thing has always been that she calls her she called her competitor. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, sure. She called her competitor a bitch. Beep. So <laughs> <laughs> I beeped it. Out. So when so when when she shows up, she she's just like. I can't even remember the line because it was just so awful. I blocked it from my mind. I think it was actually wait, just wait, what was it? It's it like was... you're not going anywhere. Or something yeah, something like, like that. that. No subtlety, no subtlety. And I, I must say, after I, I watched it, I applauded it for that. I was like, they just they knew what kind of movie they were making. They knew the audience they were making it for, mm-hmm. and they just made that movie. They didn't try to make it more than it was. They didn't try to add in new themes. Like, like you just you'd expect a movie that went into its seventh film to try to like you know add some new stuff and change it a little and like 
taking it in a new direction. And they were like, no, why would we do that? Mm-hmm. I make these movies so that I can also make Chronicles of Riddick, you know? So do you guys remember the fake trailers at the beginning of Tropic Thunder? Yes. And the, the Scorcher ones where he plays, like the there is some sort of disaster and the, the world is on fire. Yeah, Ben Stiller. He, yeah. He, Ben Stiller has to save the world, and they they do it like six or seven times. And, and then the, fi- the, the final one is like Scorcher Four Ice World or something like that, where the world's frozen over. Yeah, and it felt like it, it feels like action movies do that, and and Furious Seven says no, we don't ever need to do that. We know exactly what we are, and we are comfortable in our fast and furious nature, and that's all we're ever going to be. Well, and what they do to grow it instead of of altering the the like they aren't going to start flying planes or anything Mm -hmm. like that they're always going to be in cars but what they do is they find different places to drive cars Mm -hmm. different kinds of cars to drive and they add new people to their family Mm -hmm. right so new people come to the family new uh, some people lose like in this one they added uh what's her name uh um named after like an egyptian goddess uh the hacker the hacker girl that they saw oh Ramsey. 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 Yeah. So they save Ramsey, and now by the end of the movie, she's like, she's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the next movie, it'll be Ramsey and Ludacris are the hackers, mm-hmm. right? And so on and so forth. And Shaw joins Jason Statham in the trailer. <laughs> He's joining them. No. Yeah. For real. Oh, is for it going to be one of those? They're going to be like, how are we going to do this? We're going to have to team up with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because Vin Diesel <laughs> goes rogue and he's like, he's being mind controlled or something. And so they have to get Jason Statham because he's the only one who could beat him? Yeah. Steve-O? Yeah, okay, we can see the movie, Dave. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so so what get, what, what's interesting to me about Fast and the Furious, I guess it's that they're always driving cars. The Fast and the Furious does not change for the world. The world changes for the Fast and the Furious. It's like, no matter what, they'll go with any premise, but they'll just be like, and cars are totally viable for this. <laughs> there will be a drone, but the drone can be taken out. With by car. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, no, they'll they'll have like drones, and they'll they'll be like, how to, uh, like the next one will have like an army of drones, like like a hundred drones, and they're like, can't take mm-hmm. it out, it's not possible. And then they'll drive cars off ramps into the drones, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, there's one thing a drone doesn't have, family, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we'll we'll all go like, yay! When Vin Diesel says, uh, first of all, that's foreshadowed when him and Jason Sam first meet, and he has the gun. He's like, "You thought this was going to be a street fight, you know, like that mm-hmm. moment." And then at the very end, where he says, "You thought this was going to be a street fight," and he shoots the gun. You damn right it is. <laughs> is amazing. But the final like the thing with the street fight is the street always wins, mm-hmm. and he stomps on the ground, and the concrete falls, and the whole thing falls apart. Which I thought might have been a reference to the Incredible Hulk that they were watching <laughs> earlier, the Lou Frigno Hulk. And I was like, oh my God, he just did a Hulk smash. It is awesome. And it's such a, that, that, like what you said, the world changes for the Fast and the mm-hmm. Furious. It's like, yeah, that can happen now because he's that furious. Mm-hmm. Well, what's so great about that point, Dom, and I hadn't entirely thought about it like that way, is that like this is a movie with drones and they've got hacking surveillance around the whole world. And like it's really tied into kind of contemporary issues. And it makes me wonder where they're going to go next. Like, is the fate of the furious going to be like about the U.S. presidential election and stealing an election or something like that with cars? I don't know. Stealing but I'm an election what... with cars. 
<laughs> it sounds like uh, Dom said it's, it's Vin Diesel gets mind controlled. Mm-hmm. So it's about mind control. So it's probably has something to do with the Russians. Ooh. Controlling like people. Oh, and the bad guy will be the American working class. <laughs> <laughs> Dom, we'll bring you back for that episode just for comments. Oh, oh yeah. That's amazing. Okay, cool. we're, we're like, getting here we're pretty over long. an hour into this podcast now. Uh, so, Citizen Kane I have a final Furious question Seven. for you guys. Final, okay, let's do, and, let's and, do a final question. Hit us. Okay, so uh, maybe it's a two-part question. What is the Rosebud of Furious 7? And, or, what is the I ain't got friends, I got family of Citizen Kane? Mm, yeah. T- take take that however either of you want to go. Well, for the Citizen Kane one, I'm still trying to remember what the line is, but I can't remember it because uh, for the life of me, it's the line that Kane says about looking back on a man, or maybe someone else says it, where it's like, uh, "There's no way to look back on a man's life" or something like that to oh, tell who you, he is. Uh, There's no one thing that makes a man's life like somebody says that mm. at some point, and to me, that's the uh, the family of Citizen Kane. That line of 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 this like the whole movie is about this thing that there's no way you can sum up a man's life in one word i think it's something along those lines Do you remember it here, here here's the line and i don't remember it I'm, I'm reading it you put this all together what would it spell charles foster kane rosebud i don't think any word can explain a man's life right? that's yeah, it yeah, yeah that's the line from citizen kane that kind of like sums up the the general theme of that film is that a man's life is incredibly complicated and one word can't sum it up. As far as the rosebud of Furious 7 goes... I feel like it's Letty. I don't think there is one. Like, I want I, my first thought was her amnesia, but but we as the audience know everything, so it's not... It, right. There, there is no real, like, rosebud of Furious 7 because that's not how those movies operate, you know? They don't give us a mystery. Mm-hmm. They give us exactly what we want. Hmm. Maybe, maybe... It's the fact that they kill people in movies. Like every movie, for the last four movies, one of the family has died, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that not what happened? Mm-hmm. In this one, with Han dies, they find out Han's dead. In right. the last one, Gal Gadot, Giselle. Yeah, maybe. And then there's one where the fifth one, I think two of them die when they're all trying to run cars into an airplane or something like that. <laughs> See, I think, and, and you're just going to have to go with me on this, I think the Rosebud of Furious 7 is the line early on from Paul Walker when he says to his his son, who's playing with toys, hey, buddy, cars don't fly. <laughs> really? The second, the second that line got said, I'm like, oh, shit, cars are going to fly in this movie. You're right. I do remember when I first heard that line, too. That was the same thing that went through my head. Uh, and I thought the, them parachuting out of an airplane was the final of it. But nope, they then drove out, drove out of the they, building. Oh. Um, yeah, you're and right. That's, they do. that's they what I loved because when they, f- they they dropped out of there, I'm like, oh, this is such a good payoff for that flying line. And then I didn't even know. I didn't even know they were going to fly better. Yeah. Are you, are you sure it's not the line, uh, there's nothing sadder than locking a beast in a cage? It's not that line, but I just loved that line. That when, was that was one of the moments where I just went, "Oh come on!" Yeah, it's like that. Like that line is such a. This is a fast. This is for the people that like cars. Mm-hmm. Nothing sadder mm-hmm. than locking a beast in a cage. Uh, it's similar to when The Rock Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, anytime he said the word "woman," 
I was like, what kind of movie am I watching? What character are you? And it's like, I just, it was a moment of realizing that this is what popular movies are like. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just don't watch mm-hmm. popular. I watch like science fiction and fantasy and like weird movies. I don't watch like mainstream comedies and action films. Uh, or I don't watch enough of them. Because I guess that's just, that's funny to people. Well, like, what's so weird is, like, the theme of this movie is, like, wholehearted love of your family and, you know, whatever that family means. Making and it's, your own family. Yeah, but it's this really wholesome kind of moral there. And then butts. Like, yeah. like everywhere. Butts and cars. Butts and cars and family. That's what Americans love. That's, mm-hmm. that's the middle class working American bro's dream. Mm-hmm. Butts, cars, and family. That's and right. that's breaking right. your arm out of a cast. <laughs> Which, by the time that happened in the movie, I was already into what the rules were of this reality, and I did, yeah. it didn't even phase me. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. Like, I was just into it. He's, <laughs> he's recovered long enough. It's been <laughs> yeah. at least two days. How do you take a cast off? I don't know. I break out of mine. And then I'm going to go get my Gatling gun. <laughs> that oh, I, God, that I, I took out that. of a drone. I love that. That was the best. This movie. <laughs> oh, man. So... So just about the like, you know, like how are they gonna top flying out of an airplane? How are they gonna top jumping through three buildings? It's like the big payoff here is that they have cool characters who do cool things, like Paul Walker boxes with Tony Jaw, who's like a martial arts legend, and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which I can't just say the Rock. I need to say Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You don't want to confuse it with that Sean Connery movie. I didn't realize how much I wanted him to drive an ambulance into a drone <laughs> until it happened and i was like oh my god that was perfect and then he took the gun and shot down the oh this is great yeah, yeah. you really you really and this is you gotta buy into the movie yeah if you don't buy into the reality it's not gonna work and those things totally made up for the boring hot potato of ramsey with being chased by the drone <laughs> yeah totally which was pretty fun and it used all the things they established in earlier films that you can jump between cars and stuff like that that you can drive underneath freight trucks yeah you totally can why can't you well okay so let's move into some final thoughts because i can't believe we've done this long of a podcast on actually i can believe it's gone this long on citizen kane i can't and i can oh, no, i can't totally believe that it went this long these are both powerhouse movies powerhouse that movies. Entire so, days of discussion citizen kane versus furious seven i'm sure based on our conversation that neither one is going to win because they are so different and great and different in great ways uh, so let's hear some final thoughts on Citizen Kane versus Furious 7. I'll go first if you want. Do it up. I think Citizen Kane, as I said before, is clearly the more superior film. As in, it, it in in 100 years from now, people will still watch Citizen Kane and, and use it as a model for film and, and what it did for film and how it changed film and all the things it's going to inspire in the future and the story... Of Citizen Kane is going to be relevant in a hundred years and going to still uh, point out how successful rich men are complicated in their, you know, all that. We're going to still have people like that. And Furious 7 will be forgotten as soon as Furious 8 comes out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it'll fall into the the annals of history. Yeah, I said annals. Butts. (laughs) And so, like, its impact is way less. But as far as watching both of them this week... I have to say, I had more fun watching Furious 7 mm-hmm. than I did watching Citizen Kane. Yeah. Not to say movies only exist for me to have fun, but when it comes to, like, do I want to watch a movie just to, like, be entertained? I'm going to watch Furious 7 or The Martian. 
uh, if I want to watch a movie to like have some like thought and insight or find inspiration for for something, then I'm going to watch Citizen Kane. So I think in the end, I will probably watch Fury Seven more than Citizen Kane, but I will get more out of Citizen Kane when I watch it. Mm-hmm. Is that is that that's my final thought? Fair enough. Fair enough. To you, Dom. Oh, so Furious Seven wins is what I'm saying. No. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt, I felt artistically and emotionally challenged and rewarded by Citizen Kane, mm. and I've always been. I've always been. And I guess this is probably something to not even get into in the last two minutes. But I've always been against the idea of movies as pure fun. Just sit down and watch a movie because you'll enjoy watching it, and then you'll forget about it. But I did enjoy watching Furious 7 a lot. And I can't, I can barely remember the plot right now. Like, I can remember it well enough because I watched earlier. But I know that next week I'll be like, oh, yeah, like there was cars. There's a car and a plane and a probably a, and, and a warlord. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you the plot right now? No, I'm no, no, I'm okay. But I, I just feel that I feel that on a grand scale, Citizen Kane, yeah, it will always hold up. And Furious 7, I mean, in 100 years, we'll probably have Furious 200 or whatever. 200, 200 Furious. <laughs> 200 yeah, Fast, 200 Furious. 200 Fast, 200 Furious, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's not, you know, we're going to forget about it. But it's certainly nice to watch it. And it does make you feel like you're a fast car driving spy for Kurt Russell. Yeah. It wasn't a waste of time. It was not a waste of time, which yeah. I thought it would be, but it was not a waste of time. Surprisingly. Steve I for for me it it's this distinction between entertainment and art. And and I think it to to get a little pretentious again, ha, lot pretentious, Dave. Uh to it it's one of the reasons why video games struggle to be anything more than entertainment. Because, like, almost by definition, they just have to be entertaining. They have to be fun. They have to be things that you're doing solely for the the experience of enjoyment. And Citizen Kane isn't something that you watch solely for entertainment value. Because it's, it's not... It's not terribly entertaining. It's good. It's its themes are interesting. It's it's philosophical. It asks questions about us as human beings, but it, it has a more artistic bent. And so of course I'm I am going to point to it as the the superior piece of art. Furious seven is the superior piece of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And in- it's a good, it's a good way to say it. Interestingly for the video game argument, there are people who are arguing now that there are video games coming out that are like transcending into what we can consider as art, but they're also being called walking simulators because nothing entertaining happens. They're just good stories where you walk through a world, but like, you know, need, need for speed is not art. So it's this this question, it extends. Yeah, and, and I think that 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 point shows the the diversity of film or video games possibly as a medium as as something that can can evoke different kinds of of experiences in in us as human beings and and to say one whether furious 7 or citizen kane is better than the other misses i think one of the core points, not only of of the medium, but of this entire podcast that we're doing here with the style guide, it's it's about exploring the different ways that these different 
different experiences can touch us and influence us and affect us. And so, despite the fact that Furious 7 is a dumb action movie, it succeeds at affecting me in a particular way. It's a smart, smart action movie. Mm-hmm. But continue. Yeah, and 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 so I guess I'm I'm thankful I'm thankful for we're kind of having both of them uh, in in this medium. I think that they both do different things very very well. And even though it was a dumb idea to mash them together for an episode of the podcast, it's a great idea. It ends up being this great idea that that really yeah. helps me respect film more. Yeah, and it's that whole thing of when people say something like, "Oh, I don't like books." It's like, "What you don't like books?" Like the whole medium of books you don't like books i think what they mean is they don't know how to read which you don't get with movies everyone knows how to watch a movie Mm -hmm. but you won't like like when people say i don't like movies or i don't like television it doesn't make any sense because it's like saying i don't like books or i don't like uh i don't like places you know like i don't like conversations yeah i don't (laughs) like conversations it's like what do you mean like there's so many different kinds of movies and tv shows and books that's like some of them you'll like some of them you won't like and i think film has 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 like has this breadth to it now and i think it's gotten to a place where there are so many different kinds of movies that that it's impossible to say you don't like movies mm-hmm. uh video games i think what dom is saying is very awesome that it's just on the cusp of breaking into that place now like it's been they've, there's been they've been around for long enough that we are starting to have get to a point where people can't say i don't like video games anymore because like even like my mom likes some video games now mm-hmm so we're getting there we're getting there with video games yeah okay well uh thank you guys for tuning in and what we're gonna do this time is we're gonna let dom try and figure out how to have the last word on the podcast yeah well first before you even have your last word dom i just want to say thank you so much for coming it's been really nice having you on the podcast oh yeah i've had an excellent time yeah and if people want to find you on the internet they can google you dominic bukonjik Enjoy spelling. Did that. I say, was I close? Was I close? It's uh, yeah, that was wrong. That was that was very wrong. It's uh, Dominic with just a K on the end. Yeah, and it's Butsonich uh, B U C O N J I C. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. So right. Butsonich. Bless you. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll get it one day. Uh, so, Dom, thank you so much for being on the show. But final thought. You want to give us a final word? Final word. Oh, man, I just want to quote Furious 7. <laughs> Daddy's got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so creepy. Oh, it's so creepy. Uh, uh. Nailed it.